you're listening to Starshot, a Genesis actual play. I'm Kirby, your host and Game Master, and this is Dorothy Chapter 1. It has been a hard month for you, Dorothy. Uh, as the cold snap comes in with the encroaching winter months, uh, your crops have been failing. Just suddenly out of nowhere over the last month, which is a shame because over at uh, the Sanger farm, you've been the most successful. You are the biggest farm uh, for the colony. And so you are basically the breadbasket, the breadwinner for the colonists here on Janus. Over the last month, blight has overtaken some of your crops. You've been forced to isolate the good crops uh, by essentially just burning or otherwise getting rid of the corrupted uh, crops that you've been growing. And so your haul that is left over once you start the harvest, which will hopefully be in the morning, is the minimum amount that you need to do in order to actually do your part for the colony. Uh, that is how much your crops have been reduced to. People said that you weren't going to be able to grow stuff here. You managed to prove them wrong in the years that you have been here. Uh, the once arid land has grown to be very fertile. And in previous years, you and your family have been pretty profitable. Tell me a little bit about Singer Farm. You are, just to set the context here, uh, there is Stepping Stone. A little bit to the south and west of that is the city of West Sands, which is based out of a canyon in the middle of a small desert. And then west of that, uh, as far west as you can get in today's civilization, is your farm. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, Sanger Farm started uh, some time ago, rightly, uh, shortly, I should say, after World Fall was made. It was just me and my daddy then. And it's pretty much stayed that way since. You're right in that it has been a hard month for me. Daddy died about a month ago or so, and so it's just been me and some of the bioroids on the farm since then. It's been hard living, but I'm used to that. I grew up outside of what used to be Wichita on Earth some time before uh, we made our departure in the colony ship. And so I'm used to hard living, living on not much land and fairly barren conditions. It was tough on Earth. This isn't exactly paradise either, but things were much worse then. And my daddy decided that if we had any chance for a better life, it would be on this ship. So, despite any misgivings I might have had, came with him. And we've made our life together. For the last 30 years or so, up until about a month ago when he passed. And so really, I just view this most recent bad season as just... Another mountain to climb, another hill to get over. I've dealt with worse, and I'll do it again. Even though I am reaching now my 63rd year, I have no doubt that I can continue to persevere. Indeed. Uh, after a hard day's labor uh, working on the field with the uh, Byroids, who do a bulk of the physical labor, but you do a lot of the coronation and work with a lot of the machinery here, you stand out on your porch uh, looking at the horizon. It is evening, the sun is beginning to set, but there are dark clouds off into the distance here, and not much between you and those dark clouds out to the west. Uh, can you describe what Dorothy look like, looks like uh, standing out here on her porch? Living on the farm 
you don't really spend much time uh, dressing yourself in finery. I'm dressed pretty plainly. Khaki shirt, the sleeves rolled up, sort of a small uh, brown skirt down to just above the knees, and uh, underneath that, some pretty sturdy pants, just to keep the dust off. As we do have pretty habitual dust storms here. Got a bandana around my neck, and uh, shoulder-length blonde hair that, at this point, is mostly silver, uh, but still uh, some flecks of blonde here and there that just sort of reflect in the sun. Daddy always liked my hair. So, looking out at the crops, uh, your bioroids are still laboring through the fields um, to do the end-of-day work that needs to be done uh, before retiring into a nearby uh, structure that you built for them to basically house them overnight. At the end of the day, there's only so much work to be done, and even though the spiroid workforce could theoretically work 24-7, uh, they do retire for a night to basically recharge themselves. Uh, you do have one biroid uh, that breaks away from that workforce. Uh, this is one of your older models who looks very similar to the uh, plastic design of the original generation of biroids that came over here on the Deliverance, the old colony ship that brought you over to this world and he informs you of a of a biroid unit on the furthest field appears to have been attacked at some point in the day well attacked how do you reckon that enoch enoch pauses for seconds uh, or rather enoch doesn't answer for moments uh before stating there's been another wildlife attack uh it seems that the Wildlife creatures migrating into this area have become more and more aggressive. Hmm. Uh, we have managed to salvage the uh, parts, uh, but we will have to return this unit back to Goodson Foundation. Well, you take your losses, I suppose, as they come, but I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you, Inaka. That's unusual. I thought that we'd had an understanding with the wildlife here for, well, at least since after 25 years or so. Maybe I should check it out. I have thought so as well, uh, but unfortunately it seems that whatever did this to this unit uh, is not indigenous to this area. We have been seeing more and more xenotypes uh, crossing through the area. This is probably not going to be the last attack. Uh, I am unfamiliar with these creatures that have been migrating. We have seen them off in the distance earlier this morning, but have thought nothing of it. What do they look like? He approximates this creature to be a wolf-like creature that is covered in scales uh, with tendrils essentially flowing from his body, almost like a tail, and it is roughly the size of a small car, a small hopper, as it were. His databanks does not recall any such sightings of a creature, and is certainly not indigenous to this area. Well, like I said, another challenge, I suppose. Well, any chance you'd like to come hunting with me? It nods and uh, says, Of course. Uh, shall we break for the morning, or did you want to go now? When was the last time you saw them in the area? Are they still there, do you suppose? He turns his head and suddenly has a very distant stare to his eyes. Keep in mind that this biroid is, uh, although of largely plastic, does have human animations to his face, uh, and 
it seems to drift off in a daze uh, before looking back at you uh, with more life in his eyes. And it says, we have not yet recovered the information on the salvage biroid unit, but we suspect that the last sighting was two hours ago. That was the last check-in that this unit did with the hub. Enoch, are you feeling all right? There is a moment where you swear you see, like, dim uh, red lights behind its uh, very, otherwise very lifelike eyes. But that moment comes and goes, and it just responds, I am doing all right. All systems are operational. Hmm. Well... Be that as it may, I still feel as though you may benefit from some maintenance. Yes, why don't you go ahead and take a break for the morning? I'll go out myself and take a look and see what I can see. Very well. And without questioning the order, it uh, very crisply uh, turns to its left and begins to march over to the uh, central hub there where all the... uh, Biroids basically recharge um, and report in their daily findings um, or upload their daily findings for you to peruse later if you wanted to. Um, So what do you do at this point? Well, to avoid sounding like an old cliche, uh, honestly, I feel it's best to nip this sort of thing in the butt. Um, By that, I mean both what's going on out in my fields and what's going on with my farmhands. So, really, I think it's best to uh, treat the wound before we let it fester. By that, I mean, I think I should call in for maintenance on uh, this particular unit before I go out and check on uh, whether or not these creatures are still out there. A question that I have for you. Do you own these uh, biroids, or are you leasing them out? No, I own them. Um, We've... Okay. We've made it a point here on Sanger Farms to be as self-contained and self-sufficient as possible. So we own all of the equipment, all of the bioroids, but we do contract out to outsiders when it comes to things like maintenance. Right. And Goodson Foundation would be the people who uh, who take care of that maintenance. Uh, so, yeah, you, you go back in, uh, you send off a uh, request and inquiry uh, for... Uh, maintenance for this unit and uh, also re- I assume relay the information of the destroyed units and uh, yeah you, you can probably expect a reply in the morning um, it's pretty late in the day so and it's a small colony the Goodson Foundation doesn't quite have the personnel to do 24-7 support like that so uh, after you send that information out uh, what would you like to do? guess I'll gear up and go see what's going on what does that mean when you say you want to gear up? Are you taking a gun with you? Or are you taking special equipment with you to scan the area? All of the what, above. Uh, what does that look like? All of the above. Okay. Fantastic. So it only takes you a few minutes to grab your gear. You already have that gear uh, set aside for emergencies anyways. Uh, so a gun in hand and a backpack toting some of your equipment. Uh, you head out uh, through the fields where the... Uh, where Enoch had indicated that the bio, uh, that the disabled biroid was found. Uh, sure enough, when you reach the edge of the fields, uh, you see large uh, wrens in, uh, in the ground. 
uh, that seems to have been dug up. Uh, and in fact, it seems like your biroids didn't quite salvage everything. Uh, there are still little pieces of plastic here, a circuit there, a couple wires here. Um, and there is some fluid on the ground, uh, presumably the very fluid that powers the biroid or helps uh, powers the biroid. Uh, what would you like to do? Well, if possible, I'd like to just sort of survey the area first, make sure there's no immediate threats around. Yeah, once you go ahead and make a perception check, it's going to be simple, uh, which is to say there's, no, there's going to be no difficulty dice. You have rolled two successes. Fantastic. Uh, so your eyes uh, scan the horizon. Uh, the only threat here seems to be the storm, uh, which is uh, picking up and heading at a fairly quick rate toward your farm. The winds have already begun to pick up. A gust here is almost enough to knock you over. Uh, that is how windy it is right now in the area. But outside of that, uh, you do not see any wildlife threats all right in that case i'm going to take a look at the debris that still litters the area and see if i can't analyze it to some degree maybe see what it is that i'm dealing with uh, is there any pieces of bioroids around perhaps they've got claw marks or bite marks or any sort of trauma to them i could take a look at or just bring back with me to the house sure uh, so you can actually go ahead and either roll survival or xenology. And this is going to be a, uh, let's say, hard check because you don't really have uh, the, the pieces with you. And these are kind of like incomplete bike marts, etc., etc. Um, yeah. So that's going to be hard check, which means three purple. Two failures. Okay. Uh, so you've gathered up all the pieces that you can. Uh, I also assume that you just swing by where the, essentially the bin where the uh, disabled biroid is, and also try to compare pieces there. I mean, there are several creatures that come to mind that could produce markings kind of like this, but uh, you've otherwise never really seen this exact profile of uh, this exact bite profile or this exact like obviously whoever did this had really sharp uh, claws and you don't recognize the profile of that either. Well, I suppose that stands to reason and I did say that it wasn't native to this biome, so I should just be prepared for the worst, I suppose. Uh, at this point, the sun has set and the skies outside are dark. Uh, really the only thing that dominates the skies and that's quickly disappearing because of the clouds rolling in is the gas planet that Janus orbits. Uh, Janus is a Earth-sized moon of this gas planet and so uh, that's the only thing that dominates the skies be besides a few stars and uh, the clouds quickly overtake that. Uh, the winds have picked up even more to where the basic wind speed is enough to potentially push you over. Um, your building is largely prefab material uh, from the original deliverance. The colony has tried to rely on prefab material as much as they can uh, in order to make a small like footprint 
in their mark on the environment based off the great proposal that happened uh, in a few weeks. It'll be 30 years since uh, the colonists had arrived here on Janus. And all those years ago, there was an agreement between uh, between your colony and the world's soul uh, to essentially uh, leave within the, within a century. And part of this agreement was making a minimized impact on the environment. And so your building is pretty much just that. It's it's very eco friendly. You got all the solar panels um, built into the ceiling. Uh, they're not. I guess they're not actual panels anymore. It's just flat out solar tech, uh, same technology for solar panels, just built within the actual material of the building itself. Uh, so it was very self-efficient. Uh, but speaking briefly on the world soul, how does uh, how does Dorothy feel about the world soul? There are world soul deniers, basically just people who deny that the world soul exists uh they are a very small but vocal population uh where does dorothy fall on that do you believe in uh, what the government is saying that the planet is this living thing uh that wants it off or or that wants the colony off or do you also fall in line with the uh with the deniers of course i believe in it i'm not a fool i mean i've been out here in the sticks just me and my daddy, really, and you know, a few biroids here and there. And I remember those early days, back when the planet was throwing everything that it could at us just to you know, wipe us out. Was there a particular moment that for sure reaffirmed your belief in the world soul? Uh, maybe it was an encounter with a creature or anything like that? It was about a week, I suppose, after we started here. Back in those days... Uh, people were a lot more willing to come all the way out here. We didn't have to rely so much on the bioroids. Those came later. So we'd actually found a group of young men and women out from West Sands to help us establish this place. They did not survive that first week that they were out here. It sort of happened pretty fast. At one moment, they were out just tilling the fields, helping to plan out the corn rows, and, well, the next minute it was a bloodbath. Just, I just remember shapes, creatures, just coming at us from all sides. And Really, I'm not sure how me and Daddy managed to get out of it ourselves, just, I suppose, for the fact that he already had his dander up a bit and was prepared for the worst. Perhaps these young folks just simply weren't prepared or were a little too assured of themselves and didn't really expect any trouble. But my daddy always had one hand on his rifle and one hand on me. So as soon as we saw something was happening, we ran for the house, got in, and, well, by the time anyone else tried to follow us, it was too late. It's not a good memory. I don't really like to talk about it. Of course, of course. Uh, so, what's your evening routine uh, now that after a long day's labor? What's that look like, uh, especially in uh, storm conditions like this? You've you've seen some storms in your lifetime. This isn't the first time that you've seen such a storm, but it is a very rare occurrence. And uh, yeah, I, what's your routine look like? Well. 
Waiting out a storm, I suppose, is like waiting out any other crisis. Really, the trick is just to make sure that you have everything that can possibly be at harm, uh, be in harm's way, out of the way. So I just get all the remaining functional, operable biroids, uh, bring their equipment in, get them in sheltered in place, and then just lock all the doors and cover the windows and set myself up for a night by the fire, I suppose. Okay, yeah, so you get the fire going. Uh, it's probably an hour later after you're done examining the, uh, examining the disabled, dismembered biroid, and outside you can hear hail pounding against the, against your dwelling and thunder overhead, and with all the windows closed and presumably shuttered, uh, one can imagine that if the, if that wasn't the case, you would see uh, frequent flashes of lightning. Uh, eventually, um, do you have any biroids that hang out within your dwelling, or do they all just kind of hang out in the, I guess, worker shed, as it were? Well, usually that'd be Enoch, but currently I don't particularly trust him to be in here. Um, I guess the other option would be Doc. Uh, he doesn't really get as much use these days, uh, not since Daddy passed, but but he's around, and sometimes I'll cue him on just to have some company. So turn Doc on just to have somebody to talk to during the night. He doesn't really have anybody. He's a medical biroid, you see. He was with my daddy during his last minutes, and he uh, doesn't really have much to tend to these days. So okay. I usually just yeah. leave him off uh, in an operable state. But I think tonight I, le- I turn him on just to have a bit of company. Uh, so Doc is actually a newer biroid, uh, as it were. I, I mean, he's he's 15 years old, uh, but that is uh, just only a single generation apart from the new, uh, even newer biroids that um, work in the city. And what that basically means is that uh, much of his hand or his hands and his arms up to his elbow um, is covered with skin. His face um, is covered with skin, uh, but most most of his head and most of his other body parts are otherwise still like these plastic or uh, metallic parts that make up your standard biroid affair. That is to say, if he wore the right clothing, like say a hoodie, um, he could at a passing glance just pass for a human that's that's how good the synthetic skin and that's how good his facial animations are and so uh the doc uh presents as a uh, male uh, hispanic doctor uh he has a very uh generic well not generic he very much has the face of a doctor that anyone can just close their eyes and just picture and in fact his model is used so frequently that he is essentially like i guess if you think to pokemon how every city has a nurse joy and uh whatever the police officer's name is and they were all the same i'm not sure if that's the same with today's generation but in the old generation you know the original og pokemon you essentially had a nurse joy in every city that looked the same that that's pretty much the deal here uh so he has that soft brown eyes uh he has slightly sun-kissed skin and yeah uh you cue him on and is as if 
he he just picks up where he last remembers, uh, which was uh, apparently in the middle of a conversation with your father. And he says, "Well, I think your daughter is going to be really proud of." He he pauses and he looks around, and uh, finally he meets your eyes as after essentially processing the environment and the amount of time that has passed how long has it been since you last turned on uh doc actually i'm i'm thinking that maybe i didn't keep him on much longer after daddy passed but you know obviously there must be some sort of uh lag i guess in in his memory and such but really that day was was not easy for me so it's definitely been a while i haven't engaged in any checkups or really needed him for anything we you know these models generally speaking on farms are also used to tend to livestock but we don't do that much here we mostly just grow corn wheat that sort of thing beans so we don't have much use for a medical uh bioroid here unless it's to tend to either to any humans on the ranch of course so that means he's been shut off for at least several weeks now Okay, yeah. Uh, I think he definitely takes a moment to process this passage of time, and then once that moment comes and goes, uh, he smiles warmly at you with that same warm bedside manner that he's been programmed with. Uh, And keep in mind, like, all the animations, all the gestures, all that stuff is very human-like. The only thing reminding you that he is not human are the visible biroid parts. Um, But, yeah, he gets up and stretches as if he'd been just well not as if he has been just sitting there um for weeks on end and uh he asks coffee i could use a good cup of coffee well i'm sure you would here i'll I'll get it all out okay um i put the kettle on and i get the we actually have a sort of rudimentary french press out here it's one of the few luxuries afforded us as for myself, I pick out a small bag of chamomile tea, you know, bearing in mind that for me, <laughs> caffeine this late is uh, generally not a good idea, especially for a woman of my age. Yeah, I think even in this future, uh, being 63 is like being probably like if you take care of yourself and uh, this probably pertains more to city folk uh, would be more like your mid to late 40s. Uh, but considering the hard life that you've had, uh, you probably feel closer to what we today expect 63 to feel. Yeah, I definitely, I'd agree. I mean, faster than light travel, and we still haven't figured out arthritis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you put on the kettle. Uh, the lights do flicker for a moment, and Doc... Uh, glances up curiously at that uh, he is still processing information from the from the local network um, at this point all your other biroids have uh, essentially uploaded today's information to the network and he is accessing that and he furrows his brows says oh that is quite some storm out there and he makes toward the window as if to look through the shutters and he says do you think do you think maybe we should head underground? Well, I don't know. Um, I've been giving it a little thought here and there, and I suppose it wouldn't be a bad idea, but you know something, Doc? I find I just can't motivate myself to, to head down there just yet. 
Isn't that, isn't that funny? He frowns, uh, looking away from the uh, shutters and uh, even turning to face you, arms crossed. And he opens his mouth as if, or not as if, he opens his mouth uh, to say something to you. But before he can, uh, something hits the window he was just looking out from and it is so sudden it is so loud uh that even he jumps um by byroids of his generation can express complex emotions and there is definitely a flash of fear in his eyes as he jumps and looks back at the window even going as far as taking a couple steps back from it what was that he asked uh dorothy you could tell better than me, probably. Can't you sense anything out there? There is a moment where he is unnaturally still. Um, like, his hands is still up. His for, uh, his surprised expression is still there on his face. Uh, but there is a difference in how he's holding himself. And you can tell he's probably reaching out to the network to look at... I assume you would have uh, cameras uh, looking out on your property. And... As you hear another crash outside and he cocks his head curiously, he is immediately um, at your side, eyes still on that window uh, that something had crashed against. And he says in a quiet voice, there's something out there. It, it just took out one of the cameras. And he is now like halfway taking you into his arms, like hand on the shoulder, uh, other hand reaching for your elbow as if to guide you elsewhere. He says, we, we should get down. It's not safe right now. Oh, okay. Just let, just let me grab this, and um, I hurry over to the table where I've propped up the rifle and grab it in my arms and just sort of make sure that there's something in the chamber, and I follow him. As you're grabbing the rifle off the table, part of the uh, prefab walls uh, shudder, and you hear something splinter. Um, although in the dim lighting, you don't quite make out what it is, but you, you are familiar with the sound. This isn't the first time that a storm like this has beat on your uh, prefab dwelling, uh, but your dwelling can normally take it, and yet something is ramming into the wall, and you can hear splintering. And Doc exclaims, uh, get down, get down now. And he actually tries to, do you have like other rifles or guns in your dwelling, or is it just the rifle you're holding in your hand? Uh, no, Daddy had one. Uh, we each had our own, so it would be, I think, I last kept it above the mantle. Yeah, he immediately grabs the gun from the mantle, uh, ch looking down the uh, sightings to make sure that's set, and then leveling the gun at the uh, wall that whatever it is that's out there is ramming into it. What do you do? Doc, you're a deer. But you'd better make sure that that thing's loaded. And I um, pass in the ammo box, which I have on the table there. He begins quickly loading it. Uh, the wall shudders uh, with the with another impact. Um, why don't you go ahead and actually roll cool for me? That is for advantage. All right, so the wall shudders again. At this point, Doc has uh, loaded uh, some rounds into the gun and finally the wall comes crashing down at the threshold there um as the wind and hail and rain comes uh comes blowing in uh there is also a 
huge, menacing figure. You see only a silhouette in the dark, in the darkness that surrounds, and it's only the lighting within your dwelling, uh, which is flickering right now, uh, that really captures its size. It is the size of a small car. It is uh, huge and bulky, and it appears to have a giant maw uh, filled with uh, jagged teeth uh, that you at a glance swear is the size of your forearm um, once you actually before we get into this uh, make a discipline check for a fear roll uh, this is going to be hard uh, so you're going to be rolling against three purples Ooh, two failures two threats you are going to take uh, three strain and for your threats uh, let's say Let's say that uh, you actually lose your maneuver because you are entering combat right now. And you lose your maneuver because when the uh, walls came down, the wall was actually pretty close to where you were standing because uh, you went to go past dock the ammo uh, from probably a cupboard. And um, as a result, uh, some of the, br the debris from the wall uh, actually uh, knocks you down and out of reflex when you see that creature um, your initial instinct is to essentially uh, get back up on your feet gun in hand and that is what costs you a maneuver uh, so with that said is actually uh, your turn uh, in this combat you are kicking this off and so either you or doc can go uh, first and then after that will be another uh, slot for you so essentially it kind of doesn't matter which one of you goes first you both are going to go before this creature goes what would you like to do I'm going to shoot it right in its big ugly mouth. That's what I'll do. Okay, you are a short distance away. Uh, gun in hand, you level that. Uh, what kind of gun do you have? Just a shotgun? Or? It's a modified rifle. It's one that's been in my family for years. It's a. Uh, it's an M14. You immediately uh, fire off a burst, and why don't you go ahead and roll that? Um, I believe you... Is that labeled as ranged light for you? Uh, what is it? No, ranged heavy. It's ranged heavy. Okay. Yeah, roll ranged heavy. Okay, so that's that would be one green, one yellow. Right, and then because you are a short distance away, uh, you'll be rolling one purple to represent the uh, distance there. Two successes. Uh, so you do a number of damage equal to the damage that's listed for your weapon, plus two. Uh, rifles do a base of eight. Uh, so yeah. Uh, you actually do 10 damage, uh, 10 wounds, uh, but that is going to be soaked up by this creature. Uh, so in total you do, uh, what did I say, you did 10, okay, uh, it soaks up for that. So you do a total of 6 wounds to this creature. Uh, you, you fire a burst with your rifle. Um, the All the rounds hit squarely, uh, this creature squarely, and uh, the four shoulders there and you swear a round um you swear that initial round his head but uh it does not seem deterred uh, it takes this damage full on and lets out a mighty roar and what would you like doc to do well i feel as though he would do his best to protect me really even might even do something sort of foolhardy in order to do that because he was trying to get me down to the cellar as quickly as he could I mean, what do you think that would look like? Would you say uh, perhaps he is uh, moving to get in front of you and maybe even like shoving you back as he takes a uh, fire? Yes, at the yes, I think that's creature? about right. Like the instant 
after you fire your rifle, he is right there in front of you, pushing your gun away and even shoving you back a little bit and just absolutely yelling at you, absolutely angry and with a tinge of fear, uh, but it comes from a warm place, obviously, and says, get down to the cellar now. When he does that, uh, he immediately turns away from you, leveling the uh, rifle on the uh, creature and uh, taking a shot. He's actually going to be taking uh, two strain uh, to aim and give himself a blue die and uh, fire at this creature. A burst of fire comes from his uh, rifle, uh, your old family rifle uh, that belonged to your father. Uh, fire lancing from the gun, uh, but the rounds they either missed or the creature is just sh shrugging it off. Uh, that said, Doc is, hmm, he does have three advantage. He's going to be using one of those advantages to recover one of the strain that he just undertook. And let's see, what's another advantage? I think he is going to just give a black die to the uh, creature at the threshold there. Uh, so whatever the creature does next, its next roll is going to have a black die. Um, and I think it's just from it's not expecting uh, this retaliation. Uh, it is not used to hunting humans or much less biroids with guns. So yeah, it's taking its time to uh, basically figure this out. Uh, it is the creature's turn. It lets out another roar as it uh, takes a couple paces and then absolutely leaps to cover the distance. Um, onto Doc there. Uh, you are also free to spend a story point to make its attack harder, um, so long as you can like justify it in the situation. Uh, would you like to do that? You do have a story point. I think I would, yeah, because uh, Doc's, you know, he's not, this isn't typical for him to show such a display of, of bravery like this. I mean, it's just not part of his job description. So, but I think definitely just in accordance with his programming it's almost that he's got sort of a burst of adrenaline here sort of papa bear instinct right uh so he's really just operating kind of above his usual level Let's see what this roll looks like two successes oof so doc is going to take a total of seven wounds doc actually so i said he took strain earlier uh, because doc is not like a proper npc or pc uh that actually just his anytime he takes strain is actually going to his wound threshold. Uh, that's just how that mechanic works. Um, but yeah, so this adds on, and he'll have a total of eight wounds. Uh, yeah, he is. Oh, wasn't 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 the robot supposed, or wasn't the creature supposed to have a black die? Oh, you're right. Yeah, one moment. All right, yeah. So the black die didn't end up. Uh, there are like blank sides to all these dice, uh, so the black die didn't contribute to that roll in any way so yeah this creature pounces on doc uh, causing doc to to stagger back rifle still clutched in hand uh his balance uh knocked off but he does not fall he just kind of scrambles on the ground backpedaling a little bit as this creature uh uses its giant claw to rake his uh chest um we see sparks uh fly and his chassis has been severely damaged but doc seems to be operating just fine pc slots what would you like to do is it one and then the other or one and then the creature uh you you two are going before the creature okay uh is talking a free action yeah talking is a free action unless you're giving like a long-winded speech it's 
going to okay. be a free action. Four score and seven years ago, I was about to kick your ass. <laughs> um, Doc, your heroism is appreciated, but ultimately misplaced. Get out of my way. Okay, so Dorothy says that. It sounds like Doc is going to go first then, spending a maneuver to like get, uh, distance itself from the creature. Did you want Doc to fire again? Because Doc is going to have like an action following this. Um, uh, I think if he can without, I really, I, I just want to focus on getting him out of the way so I can hit him decently. So, or I can hit the creature decently. So if it's not going to cost him anything, you know, as far as, far as uh, he, he's going to be able to distance himself. It's not going to cost him any, it's, it's not going to cost him that in order to fire at him. He can do both. Okay. And yeah, go ahead and do that. Ooh, yeah. So Doc, uh, scrambles out of the way, um, essentially like, uh, backpedaling and jumping over the uh, table uh, that you had grabbed your rifle from and even flipping it over um, as he crouches behind it, uh, levels his rifle and sends out another burst onto this uh, creature. And he, all the while, like after he drives some rounds into this creature, which uh, he yells, I'm not leaving you here. And is a PC slot, so it was Dorothy's turn. <sighs> All right, I get it, I get it, I get it. Just let me do what I need to do here. And uh, with that, I think I'm going to take aim now at the middle of the creature because it seems that shooting it in the head doesn't seem to have the effect quite that we want. All right, yeah. Um, I'm going to spend a story point uh, to make that roll harder for you. Um, essentially, this creature doesn't have... Like, I'm spending the story point um, to introduce the fact that this creature has a really tough hide even in the new area that you're shooting it but you don't know that just yet uh, this is something that you're about to learn uh, and that's why your roll is going to be harder so instead of one purple you are instead going to roll one red okay so that's one yellow one green one red yep. and you now have a story point back in your pool so if you want to spend a story point to uh, upgrade that green that you have uh, you can i would recommend that you do because we're close to the end of the session and you're going to get sure. that story point back so yeah i should ask um it, it's not too late uh you can spend you still have a maneuver to spend i don't know if you intend on like leaving the area it sounds like you're standing your ground um oh i'm standing my ground right. i'm not yeah doc's staying here i'm gonna stay with yeah him. let's retroactively say that you spent your maneuver to aim so go ahead and roll one blue, and we'll add it to the dice results that you just rolled. Okay. Okay, so the blue didn't add anything to your roll. So you still have one success and three advantages. All right, uh, so yeah, you fire uh, your uh, another burst of fire into this creature's side now that you have a full side view since it was very interested in Doc and still to some extent is. Uh, the bullets penetrating his hide causes it to stagger um, and it turns his head and absolutely roars at, uh, at you um, kind of repositioning itself to get a good view of both you and the Doc since I kind of assume that you guys are um, not parallel with one another, but maybe closer to being uh, perpendicular, right? What would you like those advantages to be? Um, I'm thinking that it's maybe paying a little more attention to me, a little less attention to Doc, but since I was the one who just last hit it and 
Doc appears to be, you know, pretty injured as compared to me. Yeah, so I would say, like, you could spend an advantage for that. That still gives you two advantages. Um, you can use those two advantages to just give it a black die. Um, or can, uh, right. Is, is that what you want to do? Let's do it. All right, uh, so the creature injured and wounded. Uh, we still have rain coming in, hail coming in, and at this point, you in the distance, you can hear like a siren going off, um, a siren installed in your on your property, right? That uh, basically alerts the other biroids. Um, you can safely assume that Doc has set off that alarm. Um, so that is in the distance, but right now it's just you staring down the barrel, sights aimed on this creature uh, that is now going to uh, run toward you. And when it does so, it does so in a very haggard way, uh, but still it comes in to try to bite you. And in fact, actually, I'm going to spend a story point uh, to make one of those greens into a yellow. Ooh, four failures, but five advantages. Okay, yeah. Uh, so it comes in and it is trying to uh, basically bite into your shoulder there. Uh, you managed to essentially, there, there is a moment where you just kind of uh, pull, uh, pull open a cupboard and begin tossing some uh, maybe some heavy pans at it uh kind of deterring it a little bit and that tracks <laughs> yeah and also like trying to sidestep it and you manage to do so it comes skidding through uh through your living room and into the uh, uh further into the kitchen that you were previously positioned in and uh it cr actually crashes into the wall i think its advantages here is that it has a uh is that it has a way to get out there is a back door there that it just uh smashes uh through um and it runs out into the darkness of the night uh a few moments later a handful of uh your farmhand biroids are at the door uh, surveying the scene doc has recovered himself um he is still up and about uh he doesn't have to feel pain so even though he is limping there is no pain expression on his face and when the farmhand biroids uh reports to you that a tornado is coming what do you do well boys i think it's time we cut our losses this has been a pretty bad month and a pretty bad night to Cut it off. Everyone down to the cellar. And uh, if you're the praying type, go right ahead. All music featured on the podcast today was provided by one of our players, Solid, whose SoundCloud can be found in the show notes. If you want the latest news on what we're doing here on this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at StarshotPod. We'll see you among the stars.